it was slowly making me crazy <laughs> trying to like put things together because you were using what are you using the, the snowball the snowball yeah. and it was like the snowball was just a vastly different quality microphone from the yeah. ones i use so i was like i there would i would be like editing mine and the sound would be fine and then i would be editing yours and i would hear like an echo of my voice even though we're not in the same room i was like what the fuck is going on <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how is it picking up the audio from your headphones? And literally that like it was picking up the audio from my headphones and I was getting reverb of my voice on your track. That's bizarre. I know. Believe me, I know. Because I was sitting there going, well, my microphones are not picking up the ambient noise. I was like, how fucking sensitive is the Blue Yeti snowball that it just it can fucking pick up. It could l- literally tell you what people are saying in like uh, Iceland. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're 45 miles away. This is your entire conversation. Let me play back. <laughs> On the it's other like, hand, the person who's speaking into me, the volume is going to sound really shitty. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking and it's like. <laughs> Meanwhile, in fucking Alaska, they're like, Sarah Palin is coming in bright Loud and clear. And clear. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know, apparently uh, Blue Yeti snowballs are the chosen microphones of uh, surveyors. And, NSA. And NSA and TSA. Hello, spooky listeners. And I think that's the first time I've ever said spooky on this podcast. (laughs) I don't think I've ever said the K in spook before. It has always been a solid P. Well, I mean, we do introduce the podcast every week by saying the name of the podcast. So, I mean, you have to have said it. I'm going to operate under the assumption that I've always said spoopy gay family. We, that's really what this podcast should have been called. We, we've we done it all late. wrong. It's, it's not too late. It's only a year later. What could what could possibly be wrong with that? Well, we also started off as a horror podcast and we've done the Muppets and uh, Disney and, and the Birdcage. Bird and Clue. I mean, listen, there are scary elements of those. There are plenty of scary things about the Muppets. I mean, mostly Sweetums. Sweetums. I miss Sweetums. You miss Sweetums? Did you see Sweetums last? Uh, What was the last movie I saw him in? Probably Muppet Treasure Island. I just watched that the other day, actually. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, not again. Talk about something new. Uh, I have, I watched, (laughs) I did not watch the whole movie, but I did watch the scene where, uh, the love led us here. Yeah. The the, yeah. the song that we ended <laughs> our our Muppets episode with, um, because it is probably one of my favorite Miss Piggy moments in like <laughs> the entire Muppet canon. It's just so flapping funny. her arms and screaming. It's just funny because they're like, "Love led us here," and then you hear the whoosh, and you hear her go. Whoa! <laughs> 
like the best Miss Piggy moment because <laughs> it's it's that like stark contrast of her going from like Kermie to <laughs> like <laughs> it's the perfect contrast and she just keeps screaming. I love it. That was actually a pretty good Piggy scream. I was impressed by that. That was pretty good. Uh, you know, there aren't a lot of things I can do that are Miss Piggy, but I can scream like Miss Piggy, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Oz, watch out. I'm coming for your job. Um, well, hello, kids, and welcome to my spooky gay family, the mini-sode, the micro-sode, the itsy-bitsy-teeny-weeny-sode. Um, That'll probably be 50 minutes. I know. It'll probably be longer than the maxi-sode. <laughs> um, I, I, it's so funny, since we've started doing the, the Haunting of Hill House, it's like, the the mini-sodes get longer and longer, <laughs> and the big episodes get, get shorter, shorter and, and shorter. shorter. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> why, why do we have two hours worth of content and it boils down to 45 minutes and we have like 45 minutes worth of content that becomes two hours worth of conversation? I don't know what we're doing. Um, but I am very excited because this is... Uh, a very good episode of The Haunting of Hill House. It happens to be one of my, uh, it has one of my favorite scenes in it. Okay. And I'm very excited to talk about it. Okay. Are you ready to jump I, in? I, I am ready to jump in. How's your week been? Uh, we it's haven't been- <laughs> talked in, uh, in a little while. I mean, it's been fine. I'm at home working. Like At home, but of- why? Yes, I know, right? <laughs> How well- has your week been? Uh, it's, it's been challenging, (laughs) but mostly good. There's just been a lot of like craziness in my life. Like a lot of things have been popping up in strange ways. And like, I can't really, I can't really talk about them because they involve like other people and like, like there's a lot of like moving pieces, but there's like there's going to so... dangle drama in front of you that you. Can't I, I know, and it's drama I can't even talk about. But um, <laughs> it has just been like, it's been a very much a roller coaster of like what the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here. I'm queer, and I'm tired. So we're gonna get down okay, to, let's go. to House on Haunted Hill. This is episode nope. four, Haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House. What did I say? You said House on Haunted Hill. Close enough. That wasn't one based on the other? No. I thought House on Haunted Hill was based on Haunting of Hill House, the original story. Mm, I don't believe so. Not that it matters. We're giving you lots of information, kids. Keep up because some of it's wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Fact check everything we say. Pretend you're listening to a Trump rally. Don't Exactly. Don't believe a fucking thing. And you do have to sign a waiver to listen to this episode. Um, So we are on episode four of The Haunting of Hill House. And this is the episode that is primarily about Luke, the youngest or one of the youngest. Uh, I think he's second youngest. I think Nell is technically the youngest. Is she the the baby baby? She's the baby baby. She's probably like three minutes younger than him or something like that. Like Bob is to Kevin. Yeah. Well, Bob is well, the Bob older is one. older and Kevin yes. is younger. Kevin is Kevin is the child. Yes, Kevin is the baby. <laughs> Kevin is the youngest, youngest in our family, and Luke is the Bob. He is yeah. the second youngest. <laughs> um by like a minute and a half or some shit. Yeah. And so we are uh we're investigating Luke's past and kind of what led him to the place he's in now. It has been made very clear, obviously, in previous episodes that Luke is a an addict in that he is struggling with addiction to some kind of drugs. We're not, it's never really 
He does say track marks at one point, so I think I, I think it's heroin. That was what I thought, and but I wasn't sure. I, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll. Not that it really matters in the end yeah. what it is, but yeah, I believe we're supposed to be led to believe that it's heroin. And more power to him. He's ninety days sober on mm-hmm. on this day that we find him, and uh, that's exciting. Good for him. Good for Luke. He is ninety days sober, and he is in a treatment facility. And we're going to talk about this treatment facility now because there has <laughs> been the second time watching this episode. I was like, I was like, huh. There are some things I didn't notice. Like in the previous episode, they're like, oh, this is without insurance. This facility is $6,000 a month. And I was like, like what? (laughs) $6,000 a month. Meanwhile, now we actually get to see like the innards of this of this little. Well, I believe this is a different rehab place. Is it? Yeah, because the first one is supposed to be like a couple years ago. It's supposed to be before Nell got married. If it's not, though, he's paying $6,000 a month. And they I mean, none li- of those places are cheap, so. But did you, uh, first of all, he's sharing a room with 46 people. <laughs> first of all, $6,000 a month, and he's he's sharing a room with 1,000 people. And then his bed looks like it's made of broken glass. It's like, what? <laughs> what is this place? What? what? There's like 100,000 people in this place. They're all paying $6,000 a month, and they have Cots. <laughs> what is this place? This is this is uh this is highway robbery is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I I guess it's supposed to be like you're supposed to be more accountable if you're not like by yourself all the time because like what isn't one of the things that they say like what is it? He says it at one point. An addict alone is something. I, I remember the I remember him yeah. saying it, but I don't remember what the phrase. But is. I, I think I think that's supposed to be why there's like five other people in the room. Okay, but. For accountability, you need what? One roommate? Maybe, but what if that roommate is like an enabler? Well, then f- they get kicked out. That's the rules. <laughs> that the f- I am I am not on board with four roommates because okay. he he's one of like four people in this little room, and they have bunk beds. It's like four to six people. They do have bunk beds. And it's like... it's not a big room. It's like a cell. No, they are crammed in there. <laughs> There's like six beds and a desk. One <laughs> desk. They don't even all have a private space in the room. I was like, that can't be good for like their mental health. There's literally no privacy. I mean, again, I think that we're supposed to believe that that's somewhat necessary for things like making sure that they don't do stuff that they shouldn't. I mean, I get that, but I feel like people would go crazy if they didn't have any time to their own thoughts. No? I mean, yeah, but to be fair, most of them are already kind of a little crazy. So I guess they figure, you know. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I've never been I've never been in one of these places before, so like if I'm just talking out of my ass, like <laughs> but like <laughs> Everyone writes in, they're like, no, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, this does not accurately portray how this is supposed to be. I am curious. I mean, I have never been in in any kind of facility like this, so I'm curious what the actual conditions are like. And I'm sure it varies place to place. I'm sure that it's not in any way standard. Um, I would be interested to learn about that. Uh, So we do start off the episode and... and, uh, it starts with Luke's getting his 90-day chip. 
and um, we meet his friend Joey, and then we go like immediately into a, a flashback. Oh yeah. wait, the f- I I I skipped over the most important thing. Okay. The very beginning of the episode, like before, like before we even get to the intro credits, mm-hmm. we see uh, we finally see Abigail, yeah, the the little, little ghost girl, girl. Um, and this uh, my my note about Abigail is that the scariest thing about this little girl is her bowl cut. Like, <laughs> what the fuck haircut is this? It makes it look like she died in like the eighteen nineties, and I'm like, her her parents are still there, like. They're still working at the house. <laughs> it's what spoiler the eighties. <laughs> well, spoiler alert: we're doing a fucking uh, I, I watch know. along. I know, but I was like, I was like, when did she die? How old are these people? Like, <laughs> she, she looks like she died in like the late eighteen hundreds. Like, like when she died, they probably had slaves on this on this property. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> She does look, it is very outdated. That being said, when we look at her parents, they're not exactly modern looking themselves. I mean, no. Are they dead too? I can't remember. They are, they are not dead. See, I th- there's no excuse. To be fair, spoiler alert, at this point, neither is Abigail. Huh? She's not dead at this point. I thought Abigail was dead and he was talking to a ghost. Or does she die in the red room? She dies in the red room. Um, Spoiler alert. Listen, guys, this is a watch along. We're assuming that you. <laughs> if this was the first time you were watching this, we're not going to tell you how it happens or when it happens. Surprise. We're ruining everything. But um, um, yeah. yeah no. We finally see the little girl that that uh, Luke has been talking to. It is Abigail and she has a horrifying bowl cut. And that is that is all you need to know. <laughs> There's there's nothing else you need to know at this point about Abigail because she's basically irrelevant. And the little kid who plays Luke is like freaking adorable. I just want to say that because I feel like I've said it again again and again, but like he's just the cutest little kid. <laughs> like like every time I see him, it's it's just like, oh my god, you're like a little mouse. Like he looks like Froggy from the little rascals. He does. He looks like He doesn't Froggy. sound like Froggy, no. but he looks like him. <laughs> <laughs> Look like a Harvey Firestein in the body of a ten year old. Um Yes. Uh, so Froggy is talking to Abigail. <laughs> and then we cut to him getting his 90 day chip. And then we go immediately into another flashback in the house. And it is when the father finds like a, a bowler hat. I think the, mo- the mom brings it down in a box. Yeah, they find yeah. it somewhere in the house. And uh, Luke says that he wants it. He wants this this hat. And the dad is a typical 1980s dad and has to like hold it over his head and be like, well, I'm going to get something for this. Yeah. And he's like, well, only boys who don't believe in nonsense get this hat. <laughs> and you're like, shut the fuck up, dad. Like, you're like gonna- seriously, Hugo, fuck it. <laughs> like, like, you're going to be eating these words in like two days. So shut the fuck up. Um, and so he, he agrees that he's not going to like keep talking about the thing that tried to eat him in the basement. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'll just let that go for this hat. For this hat. And so he takes the hat and that is how he gets the bowler hat that ends up being very important later in the episode. Yes. And so (laughs) then the mom says, she's like, I'm having deja vu. And she's like having premonitions and shit. Her, Her migraines. I think she's supposed to be seeing into the past. Well, she is, but then she says something that is... 
one of my notes mm-hmm. here, which is, I just wrote in all caps, dad killed Nell. <laughs> <laughs> because he leaves, uh, she's like, she's like, I see this bullshit and that bullshit. And she's talking very sweetly about it. And But it's it's all bullshit. Who gives a care? fuck? And then she says the last thing. That's case the goods and leather. She says <laughs> over and over again. And I'm like, what the fuck are case goods? Case good. Like, someone explained to me, like, what the fuck a case good is. Because, like, oh, she's saying that like I'm supposed to know what it means. What case goods are. <laughs> like, it makes it sound like they're opening up, like, an antique store in their parlor. Yeah. Um, And then she's like, oh, and I see hanging bodies if you don't take down those ropes. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's like that escalated quickly. For real. <laughs> but she's like smiling through the whole thing. She's like, and I see dangling, dangling bodies. bodies. And you're like, all right, calm down. What's her name? Lily? Olivia. Olivia. Um, and everyone's like, calm down, Liv. Like, this is not, <laughs> this is, you need to take your meds. Go to bed. <laughs> and so she, uh, she says that. And the dad's like, okay. He was like, mm, blah, blah, blah. but then it cuts and the ropes are in exactly the same position as they are when Nell comes to the house later. Yeah. No, he never did that. Apparently never got around to it. Yeah. (laughs) And everyone's like, good job, dad. (laughs) Meanwhile, he's like, oh, the molding over here is a little wonky. I'm going to take, I'm going to take down this whole wall and rebuild it. Meanwhile, there's there's like a literal noose hanging from a (laughs) fucking staircase. And he's like, I'll get it tomorrow. (laughs) There's like an iron maiden. I only have five small children. (laughs) He's like, I'll get to the Iron Maiden later. I just want to take care right of this Right after molding. I take apart the rack. The rack. <laughs> um, so then we go back to Luke in the treatment center and he has that conversation with Joey. And uh, I don't really, if I'm being honest, remember what the conversation was about. It was just kind of basically about why they're there. And I know he's talking about Going into the yeah. next step of the program for him, which is like accountability. A fearless moral inventory. He's supposed to <laughs> figure out. He, Sounds he, like a Mormon treatment <laughs> center, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, a little bit. I mean, to be fair, the 12 steps are very heavily like influenced by religion, is my understanding. Yeah, they are. So, I mean, that's not surprising. I have met people in my life who have said that the reason they don't go to programs like that is because it's so religious. And it's such a shame because it could be a really valuable program for people. But if you're not, you know, Christian or or whatever, whatever. If you're not willing to give yourself over to a higher power, which is like the first step. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, well, okay, can can we just do 11 steps then? (laughs) Or, you know, you're not cool with the serenity prayer, which doesn't have the word God in it. You know, I know like <laughs> it is kind of it is kind of crazy but they're kind of having this conversation and then atheists can't get clean is what we're saying no atheists will be well atheists will be at, at addicts forever and um basically they get they get called for lights out at 10 o'clock which is my next note <laughs> <laughs> like these uh, these are adults and it's like lights out at 10 is just I I would I would leave I would be honest. If they were like lights out at 10, I regularly stay up until like three or four. Of them. Last night I went to bed at like 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, Why? because what else? I like it at night. It's quiet. It's, it's nice. It's peaceful. You just like to be alone. 
I guess. Yeah, I guess that is a lot of it. But <laughs> I, I want I just, to be alone. I want to be alone. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like during the day, there's so much like hustle and bustle and everybody's running around and doing shit. And it kind of goes back to that idea of like, you don't even get that solace of like at nighttime, you can be like, okay, I'm going to go back to my room and simmer down now and <laughs> and calm down and like read a book. And they're like, no, lights out at 10. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. never get a moment away from everybody. I mean, again, I think that is kind of partially the idea. It just seems so awful to me. Like it would put me, if I were an addict, it would I mean, put me off the entire I mean, these places aren't supposed thing. to be fun. You know? I mean, yeah. You know, it's it's not a day camp. It's not a day camp, but like there should be some kind of like positivity. I don't know. <laughs> Everything just seems terrible. They're like, lights out at 10, everyone's up at 6. I'm like, at 6 o'clock, that's usually when I'm like just closing my eyes. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. And it is. There are lights out at 10 o'clock and uh, he has this this moment where he kind of reveals to like the counselor or whoever she is comes over and she's like everybody out oh joey gotta go so and joey is the girl in his his uh his treatment plan who he has become friends with and everyone's like "Mm, luke you can't be friends with women and he's (laughs) like (laughs) he's like but i want to be and they're like no no relationships And he's like, okay. And so he's going to bed. And the counselor comes over to kind of kick Joey out. And she's like, oh, I forgot to tell you, your brother called to check up on you. And um, this part of the timeline became a little bit confusing to me. Okay. Because I thought that. Oh, no. Actually, I think I just worked it out. Because apparently Stephen called the the clinic, right? Yeah, he called after Nell called him. After Nell called him. But it's not after they found out that Nell is dead. Yeah, no. It's... it. In the first episode, he call, he calls the treatment center after Nell leaves him a voicemail. And then he calls Nell back and leaves her a voicemail saying that he called the treatment center. <clears throat> so that's where we're at at this particular moment. Okay. That makes more sense because I was uh, later on. I was like, "But wait, I thought that Stephen was supposed to have called earlier." But then I guess it does make sense if if he had called and been like, "Sister's dead, gotta go, bye." Yeah, like, like they probably wouldn't <laughs> hey, have come in you, and been uh, like, "You should call your brother tomorrow." Yeah, could, could, could you tell him that uh, that our sister's dead? That'd be great. <laughs> Thanks. I don't want to have that conversation. So if you guys could take care of that, that would be that would be just fine. If you could just let Thank him you. know. Uh, le- leave a note on his pillow. I don't think it'll inhibit his recovery. <laughs> I think you should just go tell him right now that his twin sister is dead. I know. Um, and so then he goes to bed. And I believe at this point we have a, a another throwback. A little, a little uh, what's it called? Flashback. Flashback is the word I was looking for, but I was having a stroke. And um, <clears throat> we have another flashback and... We uh, we see this is one of the creepier moments in the show for me. They're Nell and Luke are in the kitchen and they're looking at that little like it's like a, a primitive um, intercom. Yeah. The little like horn thing. Little trumpet thing. <clears throat> yeah. The trumpet. And they're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And they think they hear a voice in it. Yeah. And, and for some reason, 
Luke goes up to investigate. Yes. Now, we were children once. (laughs) If you heard a voice coming through that motherfucker and you were in the kitchen, would you be like, Nell, you stay here. I'm going to go up and take a look. Under no circumstances. Not one circumstance. Not a single fucking one. Especially alone. Like, like you, you couldn't be like, hey, Steve, come here. Yeah. Or like, hey, mom, something yeah. weird just happened. <laughs> mom, I'm hearing voices from the upstairs bedroom. You want to take a look? <laughs> um, and so Luke goes up to investigate and there is no one in the room as, as far as we can tell. So he's talking to Nell through the little trumpet thing. Trumpet yeah. thing. And uh, <laughs> then we see... A woman, a very elderly, kind of decrepit, uh, scary-looking motherfucker, (laughs) reflected in the horn as he's looking at it. And he turns around and there's no one there. Yeah. But he does run downstairs appropriately, looking for Nell. And um, I have to say, this is one moment where I was like, no child would have done this. (laughs) Like there is there is no part of me as a child that would have been like, hey, there's something creepy. I better go investigate. Yeah, no, I was afraid of our basement when I was a kid. Like there, I there, never you, you went down there. You couldn't have gotten me down there like if you paid me. The one at mom's house. Yeah. Yeah. That one was terrifying. No, no way. It was a so, terrifying basement. So like, yeah, if I heard something calling from down there, there is absolutely no <laughs> way in fucking hell. <laughs> That my fat little ass would have gone down those stairs to see what it was. So it's not like. And this is after something tried to eat him in the dumbwaiter. I know. So like, <laughs> well, this is different. So it's like, oh, well, now I have a big boy hat. I guess I should go. <laughs> I guess I should go take a look. It's like, it's like no fucking way. Like no way in hell. And maybe that was the justification that they were like, oh, he's been given this hat. So he's trying to be. Like, the big brother now. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I used to have, I used to be terrified when we were kids that the troll from Ernest Scared Stupid was in the basement. (laughs) And it used to horrify me. Like, to this day, as an adult, I don't like walking upstairs from a basement. If it's dark. If the lights are off. Because it freaks me out. It really terrifies me. I don't like doing it either, but I'm a giant, I'm a giant coward. So like, (laughs) is that why you moved your office out of your basement? No, actually it's not. I actually, I never felt that way about my basement in my house. Like really? Yeah. No, I've never felt like weirded out down there. I haven't either, to be honest, but looking at your basement, you feel like you should be, you feel like you should be because your basement has the potential to be absolutely terrifying. Yeah, no, I have a Fieldstone foundation and it is an unfinished basement. So it, <laughs> it, it looks like something from Silence. Now. I know it puts the lotion in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, and so it, it, I actually am not afraid in your basement. There's something creepy about the visual because when you look down into your basement, you have the curving staircase. Yeah. There's something creepy about that visual to me. Because you can't see what's on the left-hand side. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Yeah. And especially if the lights are off, it like it does creep me out a little bit. Never to the point where I'm like, blah. But like <laughs> to the point where I, I, I've i been like, Ooh, got a little chill. <laughs> <laughs> it spooks me. 
Um, but anyway, but anyway, <laughs> the haunting of Hill House. Uh, so then we go back to Luke, and he is back in his treatment program, and uh, he has a premonition of Nell. He wakes up at two. Uh, twelve oh three, which in LA time is three oh three, from where uh, from where is. Nell would yeah. be, yeah, <clears throat> because the house is in New England. I believe so. I believe it's supposed to be Massachusetts. I believe so too, which is uh so sad because I love Massachusetts. It's I, a very pretty state. It is a very pretty state, but it is also kind of a creepy state. I think that's part of the allure to me. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so he has this premonition and he sees Nell in his, uh, in his cell. Cell. (laughs) (laughs) And what does she say to him? She says, go. Go. She says, go. Which is kind of a strange thing to say because it kind of, in my mind, doesn't make much sense in any way. Like, is she saying go to the house? Is she saying go from the program? Is she saying go to Steve? It's it's all very... I think she's saying go after Joey. Because, of course, what we find out next is that Joey left the program. His friend Joey left during the In the night. middle of the night, yeah. So Luke then leaves the program to go find her. Mm-hmm. So I believe that is what he's interpreting that go to mean. Is mm. to go after her. Yeah. But I wonder what the intention was because at this point I'm still a little bit torn about what I think of the premonitions of Nell because Steve has one and Luke has one. Yeah. And I wasn't sure whether to make of them that they were the house casting a premonition to lure them back or whether it was actually a visitation from the ghost of Nell. I think, personally, I think the one that Steve saw was probably actually Nell. I I agree with that. I think that the one that Luke sees could very easily be the house. The house. Because it's all kind of up in the air. Because it's so um, kind of mystical and not real, like otherworldly. There's no real clear-cut answer about what the house is doing or how it's capable of doing those things. And so... Obviously, I think the premonition that like Shirley sees yeah, is, the ha- is the yeah. house yeah, of, of Olivia. And um, the premonition that Theo sees is the house as well. Although that's kind of a little wonky. Wonky. Yeah. Um, but that said, that was my big question here was why Nell would tell him to go. So it makes me feel like it's probably the house. I think if it's I think if it's the house, I think it's, you know, leaving is bad for him. And, you know, the house wants what's bad for him. So, yeah. And the house wants him to come back. Yeah. Is what we kind of learn eventually. Um, So there are a lot of kind of weird things that happen. You know, Luke has the moment in group where everyone kind of chastises him for being friends with Joey. Yeah. For in my opinion, no fucking reason at all. And <laughs> he finds the note from Joey and decides to leave. Um, and I, it really made me feel bad because this is kind of the part of the episode where things start to just take a really rough turn for him. And 
the episode is just very heavy. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a bummer of an episode. Like, it's, it's not as scary as it is, like, incredibly sad. <laughs> yeah, because you see Luke really making a concerted effort to be better for himself and for the people in his life. And really trying to help somebody else. Help somebody else and to help just to generally improve the quality of the things around him. Yeah. And we're kind of seeing the effect of repeated behavior because everyone's like, oh, Luke's at it again. Luke's doing what Luke does again. And it it just becomes kind of miserable. (laughs) (laughs) And you just feel really terrible for him. Um, Yeah, no, like that scene at dinner with with Steve. With Steve. And Steve, like... This is one of the problems I do have with the writing of the show. Steve, up until the last, like, two episodes, doesn't have very many redeeming qualities. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, I, I know that we're supposed to kind of feel bad for Luke's siblings because, you know, he has burned them a bunch of times and, you know, mm-hmm. they've, they've given up hope in him. But, like, Steve was being an asshole. Like, he's being a douche because like, here's your brother sitting at your kitchen table sober sober yeah and like celebrating his sobriety and it's like if if someone in our family was going through that and they had uh, because we have struggled in our family with sobriety with our, yeah. our mother was uh an addict and so sh- if if mom had been sitting at the table and had been like, oh, I'm I'm 30 days clean. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what's going on. I would have been like thrilled. I would have been like, like, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's or at celebrate worst, this. Like cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I mean, it just felt so. I don't know. It felt so dark and it felt intentional. It felt like Steve was trying to break him down a bit and. It was it was upsetting to me because I was like, there are plenty of times when addiction can hurt people and addiction can cause people to do things that hurt people. And it's okay to be angry at that, in my opinion. But to kind of lord that over someone when they're trying to make amends for it, it it feels... uh, it feels cruel. And that's what that was my big issue with Steve in this episode is that he felt cruel. Yeah, no, especially when he was I mean, and unfortunately correctly talking about Joey. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of it was kind of like there's no reason for you to be saying this other than to hurt him. So like Well, and even just like if he had gone to him and said, I'm so proud of you, like you're doing such a great job. I'll help you any way I can. I'm a little bit worried about Joey because she just she's kind of sending she just a few red flags. Yeah. Just just keep an eye open. Like yeah. he probably wouldn't have gotten a terribly great reaction from Luke, but he probably would have gotten a much better one. Yeah, or at least like made it clear that he was coming at it from a place of like I'm worried about you as yeah. opposed to you always fuck up. Yeah. And that was basically almost verbatim what he said yeah. is that you always do this. So why shouldn't I believe that Joey is a fuck up? Yeah. Nope. I don't know. Steve it, was Steve had his asshole hat on. 
Yeah, which his is a, big boy asshole bowler hat. His big on. boy asshole bowler hat. Um, and speaking of big boy asshole bowler hats, yeah. Then we get to see uh, the bowler hat man. Yes, which fucks me up every time because of Meet the Robinsons. What have you ever seen the movie Meet the Robinsons? I don't think so. It's a kids movie, but the villain is referred to over and over again as the bowler hat guy because he wears <laughs> a bowler hat. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I see this 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 one ghost, I'm just like, oh, it's the bowler hat guy, and I have to laugh. Is it a comedy? It is Robinson? a comedy. Yeah, okay. no, it's a it's a kids cartoon. All right. <laughs> well, I'll I'll give it a shot now, and I'll let you know what I think of it next week because uh, the bowler hat guy in this one is terrible. Yeah, no, he's all around sucky. <laughs> all around, not good. <laughs> all around and not fun. <laughs> Um, the, I wrote my my only note for the scene because then we go to the scene where Nell and Luke are in bed and yeah. the bowler hat guy comes looking for his hat. <laughs> yeah, and um, <laughs> I just wrote the scenes where the kids are in bed are probably the scariest in the whole series. Like any scene where the kids are in bed, it automatically puts you in a place of like vulnerability. And it just makes, I just get like, I get the willies so fucking bad. I'm like, I think they just feel really real. Like they, they, they feel very authentic. Yeah. In a way that some of the other scares don't always feel authentic. Agreed. Like that, but that feeling of being in bed when you're a little kid and being afraid of something in the dark, like that's, that's the feeling that literally every human being has experienced. So and like, probably to some degree to... continues to experience. Yes. Even as an adult. Though there I are people. <laughs> well, no, but I think, <laughs> I think everybody does. And I know that there are people who will say that they don't, but I don't think that that is true. I'm sure everybody has had a moment where like they felt uneasy laying in bed in the dark. Yeah, there's just there's something off that night and yeah. you just feel not quite something's not quite right. Yeah. And I think that um they kind of took a a note from like the James Wan the, the playbook conjuring. in yeah. in this uh you know, they do those scenes very well because there isn't a lot of music, there isn't a lot of background ambiance yeah no there's nothing to distract you yeah it's very still and very focused and so it kind of puts you in the position of these kids and as a viewer it's a really really um powerful technique because i'll be watching this for the second or third time and i'll be just as scared as i was the first time yeah, no, the first time I covered my eyes completely, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, like I, the first time I watched the sequence, it was like, <laughs> nope, I don't need it. I know. It's, it's like, very anxious. <laughs> it's extremely anxious. And this time I was like, no, I'm going to keep my eyes open because I have to talk about it. So I need to be able to, <laughs> like, I need, I need to, to know, know what, what I'm happens. looking at. Yeah. You like, didn't feel that way about the cats. That That's different. That's a completely <laughs> different thing. That is... That that is just that's that's emotional trauma on a level that I don't need. But like Yeah, I get that. I get that. But like yeah, no, this time when he's kind of first of all, the fact that he floats, that he doesn't walk, I know. like creeps me the fuck out. But that he uses the cane, cane to like steer himself. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> it's like he has a rudder, he's like a, <laughs> he's like a fishing boat. He's the a, RMS he's a bowler hat man. He's a gondola from Venice. He's just using the pole to move himself around. But like, 
But like, yeah, no, when he turns and like the feet are facing Luke under the bed and it's just like, oh my God, this is not okay. And then you think it's over and then Luke, like a fucking idiot, is like, right. <gasps> and you're like, Luke, what? Like, you can just like slowly, like, like use your nose, douche. What are you doing? <laughs> you're going to get yourself through your killed. nose, kid. <laughs> And he does. This is our first. Uh, this is our first encounter with the bowler hat guy, and um, Luke is hiding under the bed, and we see the creepy hand and the yeah the face come down, and Luke screams, and then that's it. Bye bye. Yeah, we don't know what happens after that. Uh, I all I wrote in my notes is I do not like the bowler hat man. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like him, Sam. I am. I do not like him in the house. I do not like him with a mouse. Um, so then we kind of go on the whole journey with with Luke and Joey. And I don't think we need to get into the whole thing. Yeah, no, we don't because need to it, go too far in depth. Yeah, basically Steve turns out to be right. Yeah, Joey turns out to be an addict. Yeah. And behaves the way an addict, an addict can behave. Yeah, or I say could. Um and so Luke goes after her and he finds her using and he tries to help her and she ends up robbing him and he gets robbed again and beat up and yeah. is kind of all over the place. But at this point, he's also we're, we're going through the whole twin thing situation, yeah, which has been a common theme in the whole series in the series, but also in this episode, um, specifically in this episode, because Luke is kind of mourning Nell, but he doesn't know it. And so there's this kind of symbiotic feeling that is insinuated between these twins. And that has been insinuated between twins in reality. Yeah. In that he's like, he's like, I feel cold. I feel stiff. I feel scared. I feel like I'm going through withdrawal, but I'm not. I haven't had anything. Yeah. And so he's, he's basically like feeling that Nell is dead. Yeah. (laughs) And he has like this pain in his neck. Yeah. And he has no idea that she's dead, but he's kind of struggling with that while he's lost his best friend in the program. And so he's very confused and kind of lost. And now he's homeless and uh, cannot go back to the treatment center because he left. And he he's had his shoes and his jacket stolen. And he's just down and out. Yeah. Luke had a day. Luke had a bad Because <laughs> you had a bad day. <laughs> Luke had a no good, very bad, awful, rotten day. Yeah, basically. And um, then we kind of have his last encounter with the bowler hat guy in this episode. Which has been kind of like chasing him through this sequence. Yeah. Like every so often he looks up and sees him standing there. Mm-hmm. And he'll count to seven because we learned that that is something he taught Nell to do to deal with the bent neck lady and it's like a protection yeah it's like a thing. weird little like protective spell that he does he counts to seven yeah and he has these uh stones that represent the family and he counts to seven because it represents one each member of the family yeah and uh it, it was kind of interesting to watch that moment because i think most people would watch it and think oh this is kind of a a little funny way that kids protect themselves is by mm-hmm. like disassociating and and kind of drawing like grounding themselves i guess in a sense distracting and watching it as a witch you're like oh he's doing a spell like that's kind (laughs) of a that's kind of a a crazy thing that like 
there are elements of witchcraft that kind of permeate into other people's reality that they don't think of as as witchcraft. Isn't that funny? It, it is kind of funny. I think some of that is, I mean, if you talk to a witch, literally anything they say or do is a spell. So I know. It's, it's like, <laughs> but <laughs> They're like, oh, you made macaroni, Jean. Like, this is not. <laughs> yes, but I made it with intent. It's intended macaroni. <laughs> But it is. I, I I think in this case, at least, it does read very much like a spell. Um, and uh, it it's kind of a it's a funny thing. A spell in this instance is kind of the same thing that a prayer would be to someone else yeah. or, or something. It's just some kind of protective energy that you're putting around yourself and and grounding yourself in the moment and kind of forcing everything else out. <laughs> Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I did note that it, I was like, huh, he's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> he's a witch. May we burn him? And, uh, oh, one other note that I had that I forgot to mention from the dinner, uh, oh, no. the dinner scene is when Joey is talking about Luke being a writer yeah. to Steven. And she's like, oh, he is. He's very talented. Like, <laughs> This weird accent crept out for like half a second. And I was like, talented. I was like, where is she She's from? from? Minnesota. She's, she's from like Minnesota. sitting there like, my elocution teacher's going to kill me. <laughs> the rhine and spine. And she's like, she's like, he's very talented. And I was like, huh? It, li- it sucked me out of the whole scene. I was like, how dare you? <laughs> I was like, I was like, Steve has to be right now because look at the way she talks. She's terrible. Oh God, she's talented. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> and then my last note about Joey is, well, Joey's a piece of shit. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> he like just takes his money and like some food and like like leaves him there. He gives her literally everything he has to his name, and she just ditches him. Yeah, she just fucking like fucks off without him. And I was like, well, hope you have fun in that alley. And Joey. like makes him like really uncomfortable first and then does it. She's like, cause she, like I know. she kisses him and he's like, I don't want this. <laughs> and then she leaves. I just wanted <laughs> to be friends. He's like, I just wanted to be friends. And she's like, nope, I'm going to ruin you and then ruin you again. <laughs> um, and so she ditches him. And then he has the last premonition of the, the bowler hat man. And this is the creepiest one to me because... Usually it's that he turns around and the bowler hat guy is standing with his back to him. Yeah. And he's usually fairly far away. Like reasonably far away. This time he's pretty close, like probably a few yards. Yeah. Like six or seven yards away. Not even maybe. And um, as Luke counts and walks away, he'll turn and look and the bowler hat guy will be just as close now in a different spot. And... um. Eventually, you get to see that, like, as Luke is walking away, the bowler hat guy is moving moving with him, but continually with his back to Luke. And it's just, like, the most unnerving, unsettling image. You're like, whoa. It just, like, (laughs) fucking freaks you out. Um, And then, of course, we have the arrival of (laughs) Steven (laughs) with the great news that Nell is dead. And the... The episode ends with Luke. Uh, Steven says that it was suicide. And Luke kind of has this moment where he's like, no, it wasn't. And then the episode ends. And you, and we're like, ooh, spooky. What was it? And <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think in this moment, 
Luke is probably one of the more endearing members of the family to me because he's the most like openly emotional. Yeah, he's not like he's not hiding behind anything, really. No. Like he's he's pretty vulnerable. Yeah. Just as a rule. And I like that about him. I like that he uh he's not like Steve who is just constantly living in denial of everything. Yeah. Um Luke kind of is at a point in his life where he is facing all of his problems and well, if we go with the five stages of grief thing, then Luke would be depression. Is that a is that a legitimate thing? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm so. saying I'm saying is that a, a legitimate uh, critique of the show that yeah. each sibling is supposed to represent a different stage of grief? Yes, I believe Mike Flanagan actually said that. He did. So then obviously Luke is depression. Right. Um, I think very clearly Steve is denial. Yes. Shirley is anger. Theo is bargaining. Luke is depression. And Nell would be acceptance. Huh. That's interesting. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but they do fit very well into it. I wonder if that was. Um, I I wonder how they chose to write that. It it does, but again, it kind of sets uh, Stephen up to be kind of an asshole. An asshole. It's like he has no choice but to be an asshole because he's in denial of everything. So. What can he do? He's just going to be a douche. <laughs> well, that's it for episode four. That I, I, uh, I'm very excited because the next episode is one of my very favorites in the series. Uh, we're going to be getting to know Nell a bit. And yeah. we're going to learn some very interesting things about her story and about the house and how she relates to it in the past, present, and future. <laughs> so... Uh, that's it. I, I'm I'm glad that we uh, I'm glad that we talked about Luke. I am too. I'm glad that I'm also kind of glad. As big a bummer as this episode can be, I'm kind of glad that it's not that scary because like Luke's actual life is kind of hell. So <laughs> like you don't need to throw ghosts into it really to make it <laughs> to make it worse. Although we will, of course we will. Yes, Luke is. It's just it's. More shit from here on out for Luke. He really doesn't get a reprieve. But uh, we will get a reprieve because that is the end of the episode. So uh, we will be back on Thursday with another brand new episode here at My Spooky Gay Family. So until then, stay spoopy and remember. That got really specific. (laughs) (laughs) Case goods and leather, though, for sure. And... I see an accident waiting to happen if you don't pull those down. Bodies swinging back and forth right there. Yeah, I'll get to it. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Alon, and this episode contains clips from The Haunting of Hill House, distributed by Netflix 2018. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel.